gamers together now have the sheer magnitude to be a significant unifying force for the world. If I'm to choose between a greater and lesser evil, I'd rather not choose at all. You are almost a jibble sandwich. Did I ever tell you the definition of insanity? Be better. Check this out. Hello, 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 and welcome everyone to the 333rd episode of the Hungry Gamers Podcast. I'm your extremely humble host, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan8Bits, and joining me, as is the August slash beginning of September, we won't talk about that tradition here on the THG Residency Series, is my dear friend. You can find him on them socials at Jono himself, Australia's finest Jono Peck. How the bloody hell are you? Good, Brendan. It's episode three, 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 and uh, thirty-three is my favourite number. So I think we are going to have a good one today. There you go. There you go. Any any reason why thirty-three is your favourite number? That's a very unique number to take as your favourite, as your prized numerical possession. It's just the. Uh, it's just all the best. Well, it's not all the best, but if you wear thirty-three in basketball, you're you're pretty good. Is mm-hmm. is, is my young? That was my young brain's decision. You know, Bird, Kareem. Ewing, the list goes on. It was just like Pippin, you know. Can't go wrong. A L- lot of pressure then donning the thirty-three if you're a if you're an up and coming hooper. Then that's for sure. Like uh, there's heavy as the head that wears that thirty-three well, shaped crown. It's uh it's retired in in by most teams, I think. So um, that's one of the problems when I play NBA two K is I pick thirty-three and then I get drafted by some team where that number's retired. So. <sighs> It, it defaults me to some other number. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. That's tough. And um, yeah, do, do you ever get like when that happens and you sort of have to re-roll your number, you just go, all right, well, I'll be 22 now or 44. You like that sort of repetition? No, I just go with like, I think what Shaq did and it's just like, okay, well, I guess I'll be 32 or I guess I'll be 34 or mm-hmm. whatever is available. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. But uh, yeah, 333. It's a palindrome, that. So, um, yeah, same as it is forwards as it is backwards. But it was uh, surprisingly stressful when I was reading the number out during the the, the intro read there. I'm like, am I going to stuff this up? But I did not. I stuck that 333rd landing. (laughs) I can't do it now, but I got it first time. So, go me. But, JP, I think we should probably start things off, as is the new tradition here on THG, with this. The week that was. So, JP, tell me all the things. What have you been doing this past week? What have you been playing, watching, eating, drinking, anything else in between? Take me on the journey for the week sure. that was. I've kind of been stumbling around the desert when it comes to <laughs> video games lately. I've just been okay. like, oh, you know, is, uh, <laughs> I could probably think of a better analogy. I've been, it's like I've been on Tinder swiping left and right on different games and trying to find something that sticks, but I uh, found the one. And that's uh, Sea of Stars. I was waiting for this one. It's the one I've okay. waited, been waiting for. Okay. Uh, and uh, we're, in, we're in love, I'd say. Things are going very well. Ooh. And- <laughs> Even after just that first or second date, it's the, it's the L word. I yeah. love that. I'm a sucker for romance. So uh, tell me more about Sea of Stars. So, uh, well, for people out there who don't know, Sea of Stars is from uh, Sabotage Studios that recently, well, most recently before this released, uh, The Messenger. Mm-hmm. Which is one of the best platformers of the past five or six years, I would say. It's it's fantastic, and they've jumped into a turn-based uh, traditional RPG with Sea of Stars. It's beautiful pixel art. It's very much harkening back to uh, 
I guess Chrono Trigger Chrono would Trigger. probably yeah, be the, the, one of the key influences with the art style and a lot of the gameplay as well, because it doesn't take you to a different stream, uh, screen for the battles. It just carries on um, without uh, going to that um, that that typical, you know, what you would expect in like a Final Fantasy or a Pokemon. Yeah, that that transition to the to yeah. the battle screen. Yeah, so that makes it uh, feel kind of snappy and quick. And then it's from from what I gather taken. Uh, combat influence from the Mario RPG series where you're attacking but then you're also hitting a button at the moment of impact to get a bonus or uh, on defense you're pressing a button to try and block and and reduce some of that damage so it's not as passive as most turn-based RPGs Mm -hmm. are as far as just hitting your move and then watching the animation play out you have to stay engaged in combat and try and get those bonuses so it's it's pretty sweet and uh it's got a really fun tone um in this fantasy world so i'm digging it i'm probably uh a third of the way through it if i had to just guess by how many locations i've visited and looking at kind of the walkthrough total of locations so i'm I'm fingers crossed able to get it done by the time starfield hits uh full release later this week even though i'm in love with sea of stars it's not not forever possibly just a fleeting romance eh? yeah summer loving (laughs) yeah and then then i might move on to the next which is definitely going to be starfield and uh, we probably have a bit more to say about that later it it looks so pretty like referencing sea of stars here still on the topic It, it looks pretty and what I've seen in the trailers and just some gameplay slice uh, leading up to the release, and I had a had a look at some stuff earlier today as well. That the soundtrack is really cool as well. It's got a real good vibe yeah. to it, and it just uh, throws me right back to playing the old Super Nintendo, playing playing classics like Chrono Trigger. You mentioned even like um, like Secret of Mana. I'm thinking back to that, yes, which I think yeah. might have been my first actual RPG experience as a youngin, and it was hard to grapple all the concepts of a JRPG at, uh, I don't know how old I was, maybe eight. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm keen to keen to give Sea of, Th- sea of Stars a look, but I just don't it's know cool. when. The, I really the, don't one know of the <laughs> One of the fun things about this one is it's on PS Plus and, well, I should say PS Plus Extra, and it's on Xbox Game Pass. So, it's pretty much available to, I'd say, most people out there Yeah. Um, for, for that subscription price and on top of that it's still managed to sell a hundred thousand copies on its first day which um you know they'd have to be very pleased because mm-hmm. that's on that's on top of however many probably hundreds of thousands or, or millions could be downloading it with the subscription so a hit on their hands and i think the metacritic last i checked was very high um i might just quickly look that up but at the point of like the day that it released, it was I think the third highest of the year as far Ooh, as um, okay what's what's been coming out. So on PS Five it's ninety one, so it's dropped down a little now. Uh, it's also ninety one on PC and on Switch. Sorry, on Switch it's ninety one, and then it's eighty eight on PC. So okay, so it's still sitting like if you average out, it's about ninety, which is a banger of a score. Yeah, 90 on, on Xbox Series X2. So it, it was even higher. Before. It was like 95 when it, the day of release and the, mm-hmm. when those first reviews were coming out. So it's dropped down. But yeah, it's very, 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 it's a really like well-made game and has a really fun sense of humor to it as well. So it's, you know, often 
these turn-based RPGs can take themselves a little bit too seriously, and that's often one of my main complaints with them as well. But uh, yeah, this is just um, you know, it's got the composer from Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross in oh, it. Oh, really? So that's probably why it sounds so good to you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and e- even though it's um, a throwback with the pixel art graphics. They've implemented like modern lighting techniques that make it feel really fresh as well. Okay. That's exciting to see. And, and the fact that it is in that Game Pass subscription that I'm already paying for makes it a lot more easier for me to get my hands on it. So mm-hmm. I'll find some time between now and the end of the year to give it a look because, yeah, with a score like that, you've got to give it its due if you want to put some fair Game of the Year noms out there. So uh, that's very exciting. And, and I think like you mentioned earlier... Uh, just talking about it now, how uh, the the tone where there is some some fun to it, and circling back, I, I've mentioned the last couple of weeks, but I haven't been able to play much new outside of this. But Baldur's Gate Three is the exact same thing, like the oh, yeah. the zaniness and the craziness that just weaves in and out of certain um, certain quest lines and certain ongoing long term sort of story based quests that you're working on just makes this game constantly feel fresh. Like I'm only just into act two now and I've put, I think 55 hours into the game so far. Hmm. Like there's three acts and like, I know you can mainline it. I think in in about 35 hours, I think is the average time that I've seen around the place. But yeah, I've been just getting so lost out in the literal digital wilderness in this game where I'm just like, you know, I'm just going to walk that direction and see what happens. I'm going to go interact with this, humanoid creature over there and see what happens and just the flow on effect from that is just taking me into so many new and scary and stressful and funny and rewarding experiences like this game is just the gift that keeps on giving for me like there is so much to see and do and there is so much depth to not only your main party but just every ancillary character you meet on the way to the end goal just they're fleshed out they've got Great, great sort of dialogue, the voice acting, the mocap. It's all just like, mm, 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 mm. like Varian Games are masters at their craft with this. And uh, yeah, I can just continually re-emphasize how special this game is. And it, it is very much the game of the year for me at the moment, barring any wow. any sort of changes that happen between now oh. and December 31. It is very special and it's just great in every single way. And I've been loving life working through that. And I, I will like- quickly mention... Oh, sorry, JP, you go. <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to say, I feel like you've come up on it significantly since the last time we talked about it because that's pretty high praise when yeah. we've had, you know, Dead Space and Resident Evil, <laughs> you know, uh, 4 remake and, and some games that I know you've been a big fan of, Diablo, as well. So mm-hmm. to, to say that's the front runner, that's that's a pretty big call. So you've, you've um, piqued my interest as far as, you know, everything I hear about this game makes me more and more curious and to, to know that it, it does it, that it isn't a completely dry and over the top serious um, approach to that kind of D and D world makes me even more thinking that I'll have to uh, have to give it a, a look uh, in the future. I think you you really need to, and, and the cool thing is when you do spin it up, like I can jump in and join your game and either bring my character in or take control of one of your characters so we can get a true D and D experience. Oh. Like there is multiplayer capabilities in this game, so we can play as our own characters and play them our own way and, and have all kinds of craziness in shoe where maybe you're wanting to attack a thing a certain way. And I'm like, screw you, JP, I'm going to go over here and cause ruckus and kill everything and whatever else. So you can really get that D and D experience in a video game. And man, 
it is so special. So yeah, I'm curious to see yeah. if Starfield, Spider-Man 2, either of those two could potentially, you know, sneak up to, to sort of maybe dethrone mm-hmm. it because they're two, I guess, on the on the like list that I'm side eyeing is like, you know, you could be, you could be the game of the year when it's all said and done. But right now it's Baldur's Gate three with a bullet for me. And it's so good. And something else that's so good. It's not game of the year, but I also got to dive into uh season four, chapter four, last resort as it's called in Fortnite, which is, you know, obviously the, the giant, 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 uh, BR game that is still taking over the world. And I just wanted to highlight, they've just brought in some new features and functions into this latest chapter they've got like suitcase based gun turrets because it's it's themed on this this sort of chapter about like a heist so you're breaking into this mansion stealing all kinds of treasures so they've sort of lent into into sort of the the heist and the the crime based uh subgenre of film and the gun turret suitcase awesome and there's also this like powered battering ram that you can ride not only like on the on the horizontal straight through buildings but you can shoot it up into the sky and like land and just do these big like aoe smashes and it just adds so much craziness and then you combine that with they've got these remote mines and you can strap them to anything like we we went full suicide bomber style last weekend where we'd jump in a car put all these remote mines all over the car and just drive it into a battle and all jump out of the car and then just detonate this car and just watch all these enemies go flying. Like it is so much zany bonkers. Think about it and you can do it type of mentality in Fortnite at the moment. And it just really breathed this big burst of fresh air into the game again for me. Cause I was sort of like, nah, I'm a bit off Fortnite. I'm out of it. I'm playing Diablo and Baldur's Gate right now. <laughs> But playing it last weekend, I was like, God damn, this is piss fun. I'm having a great time. I'm laughing my ass off and I want to play more of it because they've just added these other new little crazy unpredictable wrinkles that just sort of constantly turn the game on its head. Like Epic is so good mm. at just refreshing this formula, adding a nice new little tweak that just makes everything seem new and, and bizarre again. And they've done it with uh, Last Resort, JP. Yeah, that's, that's interesting to hear. I think that, you know, it's... It's gone, Fortnite has gone beyond the joke, I guess, that it has been as far as, you know, the meme of, of stupid kids playing this game and and the the Ready Player One factor of just every zany character appearing mm-hmm. there. It, the fact that it's lasted this long and they've kept it fresh and they've, they've brought people back that were probably trying to get out like you, uh, they deserve full credit for, for keeping things interesting keeping people focused locked in engaged in the the you know the marketplace of it and the whole thing because i've never touched the game Uh, i downloaded it maybe once or twice and just never got into it never booted it up but um i still have to respect that it's it's conquering and will continue to conquer it's like i guess like gta 5 uh is probably the closest comparison i can think that game came out 10 years ago and people mm-hmm. still play it and i think that you know when all is said and done fortnite will probably have an even longer tail than than that yeah it's it's genius genius work by epic and, and just their constant collabs in the store where they're just bringing in these heavyweights of pop culture from from Marvel, from DC, from Star Wars, or just the broader Disney universe, to pop stars, to professional athletes. Like, it is just this melting pot of what's so mm. hot right now. Like, it's it's the it's the Hansel <laughs> Zoolander sort of quote there. Like, like Fortnite, it's like, yeah, it's so hot right now. Whatever is happening, they're just in the in the game all the time. Like, they've got Ahsoka 
coming in very shortly off the back yeah, of okay. the Disney spin-off and and uh, they just did some stuff with Jujutsu Kaisen which has just sort of released its second season in in the anime franchise so there's just they're constantly just collabing with all these massive big IPs that you'd never think the studio heads would approve to get into a game but they somehow constantly make it in there and it just adds nothing to the overall game but it just has this personal touch where you can be your favorite characters and kill your least favorite characters potentially on the battlefield and it just creates this this rivalry round by round that i cannot get enough of something else i can't get enough of jp zom 100 bucket list of the dead it's a new anime that's come out in the last couple of months the good thing is it's not only available on crunchyroll but it's also on netflix so if you've got a bit of an appetite for a zombie themed anime you can check it out uh, the first season hasn't completed itself yet, so it's still airing week by week on both of those platforms. It's done by the studio known as Bug Films, and the rough concept of it is, yep, a zombie outbreak has, has taken place in the world, but this obviously focused on Japan. Uh, the character that you're getting most of the airtime around is is a young sort of optimistic guy that sort of just gotten out of high school and gets into the workforce and just wants to prove himself named Akira, and he, he lands this job, He's like, it's all, this is awesome. Life's going to be great. Work's going to be great. And he just gets stuck in the corporate machine where they're getting overworked. They're working like 12 hour days, staying at the office, waking up, getting like beaten to death by this, this corporation and the boss. So he almost becomes zombified before the zombie outbreak occurs. (laughs) And then the zombie outbreak occurs and. I guess he starts living again. He's like, I'm free. I'm out of this job. And he's like joyful. Like he's happy roaming around, even though there's zombies trying to kill him everywhere. But I just wanted to highlight as well with this, with this anime, the animation style itself is phenomenal. What they do with the gore and the, the blood and the viscera and stuff, they use like really vibrant pops of ne- uh, like neon and paint. So when you see the blood splatters and the, and the body's getting smashed up, it's like giant baby blue, psh, giant yellow. Psh, and it really just makes this thing, a lot more joyful and fun, even though it is death and chaos and carnage and, and horrific things going on. So it's really funny and it's really light, but then it also can get a little bit dark and serious. It's it's just really, really enjoyable, JP. I know you're not a you know, not a big anime head, but it is very fun and I recommend checking it out on Netflix. Even just peeking the first episode. Uh, just to see if it's worth your while because it's gorgeous to watch and just the tone is right up my alley. Sounds sounds a bit like a Tarantino movie, the way the blood just flies around and yeah, it's almost like it's almost it takes the it, it adds a le- almost a levity to the drama of like you know how ridiculous it is and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So yeah, no, sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah, and I see you've uh, been checking out something this week as well. You wanted to highlight? Uh, yeah, no, I was just wanting to give an update on my um, my literature <laughs> when it comes to, to the, the books I was reading. I mentioned Blood, Sweat and Pixels last time. Mm-hmm. Finished that. That was great. Moved on to Masters of Doom uh, mm-hmm. by David Kushner, which came out quite a while ago. I think early 2000 or mid-2000s, uh, 2003 it was. Uh, and that's subtitle is How Two Guys Created an Empire and Transformed Pop Culture. And that's about uh, John Romero and John Carmack over at ID. Uh, and the development of Doom back in the 90s. So just started reading that, quite an interesting um, insight into that early, early um, phase of PC gaming and how it you know, transitioned from the arcade to Apple II to PC and still very early in that book, but um, having a, yeah, a good time learning about that era because you know we were kids and we didn't really 
know what was going on the way that we're following the games industry now. So I always always enjoy those opportunities and insights to, uh, into that side of game dev, especially now that I'm involved in that industry. That's pretty exciting. Funnily enough, um, a, a very much related story to, to the Doom and id discussion. Yeah. Uh, I was away for work at the Security Expo all, all week this week and, and you know where I work, our primary, uh, you know, sell to marketers with this uh, software platform that we, we develop and own. And we actually spun up Doom in the piece of software that we, <laughs> we sell to the security industry this week. So when it was a bit of downtime on on the stand, we were playing Doom through our, our open software platform on the stand at the Security Expo. So it was super fun, obviously very irrelevant to what was happening <laughs> around us on the show floor, but it uh, broke up the monotony a little bit. Uh, do they go into detail? I've never looked into it myself, and maybe I should instead of just asking. But like, what's what's the what's the origin story of the name ID? Like, I remember as a kid, I thought it was like ID software, yeah. but like, do they do they go into details about how they how they sort of workshop that, or has it got some kind of special meaning? I haven't got to that section yet because I'm at the point where the two of them are working at at a company called Softdisk, which was mm-hmm. where they worked prior so uh no i don't think i can answer that question for you right, well don't so keep I'll... reading because i don't want you to spoil the the reading <laughs> i don't like don't keep reading online right now to find it because i don't want you to spoil okay. the book that you're working <laughs> through so so circle back to me if, if they do uncover that in in future chapters because i'm very sure. curious I'll, as to I'll the meaning you know. of id i'll let you know mm. all right so that's what we've been doing this week i guess we could shift over to this News and notes from around the internet, presented by Audio-Technica. All right, listeners, before we go through the news here, obviously go upgrade your audio game today over at audiotechnica.com. They are the best in the biz when it comes to gaming headsets, microphones, headphones, turntables, you name it. You want to hear some stuff better, they can wrap your ears in a nice, sexy, comfortable piece of plastic and foamy goodness that'll have you headbanging and tapping along like you never have before. So check them out. Also, check them out on the socials at Audio Technica AU for the local ones here in Australia and at Audio Technica for the ones abroad. But the first bit of news or the first uh, bit of rumor or update that we're going to sort of unpack here is Elder Scrolls 6 is years and years and years away, JP. And it's very disheartening because it's been five years since Bethesda announced that Elder Scrolls 6 was in pre-production. Is still years away, making it possible for an entire decade to pass before the game is in our hands. In an interview with Spanish publication Vandal, a Bethesda spokesperson said, we shouldn't expect to learn more about Elder Scrolls 6 until a few years after the release of Starfield. So obviously Starfield is dropping in the coming days on the 6th of September which has been currently scoring an 87 on Metacritic. That could go up or could go down as future reviews roll out. But JP, Elder Scrolls 6, not going to learn more about it until a few years after Starfield. So we're going to learn more and that might then mean into the fact that we might not get the game for a few more years after that. So this is very depressing reading (laughs) this out loud to you, JP, because I want more high fantasy from Bethesda and I want it now. I mean... There's nothing surprising about this to me. I know <laughs> it's one. It's been a joke uh, that I've been kind of uh, throwing around socials and and in chats since it was announced. Like it was, it was just such a kind of a short sighted moment. I think Todd Howard said, like, yeah, probably sh- probably shouldn't have done it the way we did it. But even at the time, it was very clear. Like 
they were going out there every year. They they do this Bethesda conference, and that year mm-hmm. in particular, it was a little bit light on, and they kind of just threw that in there at the end to get that hype factor. And the fact that we were at that point still like three or four years away from Starfield, or five years away from Starfield, I think at the time, it was just like, what? What are you? This game is not coming out for ten years at least. If you look at the cycle from you know Skyrim to uh, Fallout 4, it was like four years from Fallout 4 to Starfield. That was, I think, seven years. We're not seeing Elder Scroll for, yeah, another six years at minimum, mm-hmm. I would say. And, um, yeah, anyone that thought otherwise was not really thinking too hard about it. That's, <laughs> that's fair. That's very fair. <laughs> it's It's sad to think about. Like, I know on the one hand, we always talk about don't rush a game, release it when it's ready type of thing. Mm-hmm. and I will do my best to remain patient. It's not as if we're short of supply as far as games constantly coming out to keep us occupied anyway, but mm-hmm. man, I, I love The Elder Scrolls so much, so, 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 so much, and it's a shame that we're going to have to wait to, God, I don't know, close to 2030 for this sucker to come out. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know if that's it'll be almost. Naive. It'll be like 20 years between Skyrim and the next one, just about. That's nuts, hey? That's it is. Nuts. And you know what? <sighs> There's, there's good things about this because if you can just think about the advancements in the tech and the understanding of the consoles, it might even be PS6 and Xbox Series Z or whatever oh, it is by the time that comes out. Who convention they'll throw out there for but, it. But, um, <laughs> I mean, I have to say there is always the chance that, uh, you know, Fallout 4 was released the same year it was announced. Not all of their games have, like, this huge cycle of promotion that we've had with Starfield. So mm-hmm. maybe we get news about it in three years and it comes out the same year that would be a shock because it's i think said that they're in pre-production still yeah it's in the yeah. headline there so <clears throat> pre-production yeah big game like that i think it's gonna be all of tamriel this time where they probably can't get away with just you know siphoning off the the different regions like they have in the past with the way that games have grown since 2011 but um there's a there's a lot to look forward to, and it's um, it's 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 a long time to look forward to. <laughs> it is a long time, but I guess, I guess to get your Tamriel fix and just your your ESO fix in general, or your ES fix in general, is to jump into Elder Scrolls Online if if you're that desperate. Like it's still fun. I haven't played in a long time, so I'm not the best uh, best advocate for it right now. But anytime I have jumped in, I've really enjoyed my time with it, and it is a big game. So, like you said, JP, I think. What people are getting used to with Elder Scrolls Online as far as the scope and the sheer amount of, of area to, to cover and explore and do your thing in. Yeah, Elder Scrolls 6 needs to be a bit of a behemoth. So we'll see how it goes. On the yeah, PlayStation 6 and Xbox 2, they're probably going to go back and reset the naming convention. or so. Who knows? Microsoft do weird things with that. They'll but. call it like the Xbox. Oh, yeah. Or just the X. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's it's late here on a the, Saturday night. The X square, <laughs> the X cubed, and be like, Bill Spencer, what's the relevancy of that? And like, what's not the relevancy of this media? But yeah, Elder Scrolls Six in pre production still. So uh, yeah, don't be sending uh, Santa wish list requests for start uh, for Elder Scrolls Six this year, kiddos, or next year, or maybe the subsequent years to come. Just maybe wait. Don't pre order it either. <laughs> no, no. 
Uh, something else that we might need to be waiting a little while on to JP is the next bit of news, which I've titled Toss a Coin to Your Witcher Staff because there are currently more than 250 developers that are actively working on the next mainline Witcher game, which is currently codenamed Polaris. And while the Polaris team had grown to almost 260 developers, Adam Kaczynski, who is the CEO of CD Projekt, has stated that once Phantom Liberty is out later this year, they will be transferring a big part of that team over to the new project. So it essentially sounds like CDPR is going to be putting a lot of its resources into the Witcher moving forward. So we're going to maybe have potentially 500 bodies working on this Polaris project or the next uh, mainline entry into the Witcher franchise, which is exciting. Obviously, this is also a departure from the Red Engine. This is going to get uh, what's getting developed on the Unreal 5 engine. So we're going to have a different look and feel to the Witcher that we've come to familiarize ourselves with over the last three games. But I'm keen as a bean for this. Obviously, there's also the, the strong rumors out there that they're also working on an official remake of the 2007 The Witcher uh, but we'll see. So we might get a new entry into the franchise and also a refreshed entry of the first game coming out very close together cool. in the next few years, which is interesting, but I'm thirsty and horny for more Witcher, so give it to me. <laughs> yeah, it, it'll be... I mean, for when do we think this is coming out? <laughs> We're talking about release dates. I think, um, would 2025 be too early, probably? For, for Polaris? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm going to say 20, like, there's no accountability here, but I'm just going to say 2026 for Polaris and yeah. maybe the the remake. Do you think it would? Do you think they'd try and position it to come out before or after? I think before. Like that's if like it depends what kind of remake it is. If it's yeah. a ground up or if it's a fresh coat of paint on a pretty old game, Red Dead style. <laughs> I think it might be a, a ground up because they're saying that yeah. that's getting done on um, UA5 as well. Okay. So. Yeah. Right. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I think that you'd probably want to release that first so you can be like, go back to the beginning, you know, but before, you know, The Witcher 4 or whatever the next one is going to be called is going to have like all the hype because it's the sequel or the follow-up to the, the Witcher 3. So before that, they can say, you know, go back to where it all started and they can do that and maybe tie it into like the last season of the TV show or whatever's happening with that. Um, but... Uh, Having at least 550 people to throw around on different projects, I can see at a certain point a lot of those people getting moved over to that remake if that's happening or maybe they've already done a good chunk of it. Um, If you think about the fact that, you know, Cyberpunk's been out for two years, almost three three years. years. Yeah, so they haven't just been doing Liberty, uh, what's it called? Phantom Liberty. Phantom. They haven't just been doing Phantom Liberty this whole time. They haven't just no. been patching uh, all the issues with Cyberpunk this oh, whole maybe, time. Maybe they have. <laughs> there was a few issues. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think that they had 550 people working on, on patches. Um, so maybe they're already deep, deep, deep into that remake. Because that's like remaking that game is probably a lot simpler than developing a brand new story and everything that's going to yeah. happen with like think about the amount of writing and, and and quests scripting and all that kind of pre-production that goes into a game like the witcher it's insane um it's one of the the games that was featured in, in that last book i read the, the blood sweat and pixels and the development process for that was just 
incredible. Even though The Witcher Two was a big game, The Witcher Three just took it into yeah, and uh, like they were basically trying to make something that had been never done before, and they pulled it off. So, uh, on top of the issues with Cyberpunk and The Witcher being that kind of probably safe territory to go back to, I think they really will be aiming to do that kind of. 10 out of 10 experience that um, a lot of people thought Witcher 3 was with new engines and new hardware. It's, it's um, a lot to look forward to. And yeah, I, I'd be hopeful that 2026 would be when we see that game. Yeah, maybe we get the remake of The Witcher 1 in 2025 and then The Witcher codename Polaris currently, the, the next the next mainline Witcher game in 2026. Can you imagine if uh, Liam Hemsworth is going to be like mo-capped in as the Witcher for the remake? Do you think they'd ever do something like that? Oh, it'd have to be Henry Cavill. Like there'd be, there'd be gamer uh, petitions for that. I think. <laughs> and because they're separate to each other, like CD Projekt isn't the developers or the studio, like they're not involved in the TV show, I don't think, are they? No, no. But yeah. you'd think like Netflix off the back of that would probably want to try and weave their greedy little mitts in amongst what they're doing in the future to try and get more blood out of this uh, out of this coin, but I guess you could what say. A, <laughs> what a move it would be for CD Projekt to just go, we're going to, we're going to, have uh henry come in for this one because we oh, know yeah. that he's the the one true king the one true witcher uh that would be like um getting david Hayter back into solid snake. snake or something yeah. you know yeah now that that'd be some stan marsh sized balls in a in a <laughs> in a wheelbarrow type of move from city project for sure but I'd, I'd be all for it i love me some drama i love me some power moves so mm. we'll see what happens but yeah the the short version of this listeners is that yeah, City Project are throwing a lot of bodies at The Witcher, whether it be a retread of the past or what they're building for the future. So we'll see what happens when these come out before um, Elder Scrolls Six in the next couple of years. Uh, the next little bit of news, PlayStation Plus is about to become a minus, question mark. In a distinctly unpopular move, PlayStation has announced a price increase for all three of its PlayStation Plus subscription tiers. Aussie subscribers from September 6th will pay an additional 20 to 27% depending on your tier with prices to be set at rounded up figures of $96 for the basic annual subscription, $170 for PS Plus Extra and $197 for PS Plus Deluxe. By comparison, the increase does keep Sony's subscription model cheaper than equivalent tiers in the Xbox Game Pass model, albeit with a considerably smaller game library. JP... You're the stronger of the two of us as far as it comes to Sony fandom. So I want to get your your feeling on this. Where you at? Are you okay with this? Are you like, yep, I'm going to happily pay this? Or are you starting to now go, mm, maybe mm. not? It's, as you said, distinctly unpopular. There's been nothing but complaints about this. And like, who's who's not going to complain when the price of something goes up, whether it's a Netflix you know, or, or a Game Pass or anything because they're all going up, let's face it. Mm-hmm. I think Game Pass had its turn a bit earlier this year. Um, and the um, it's it's kind of just the amount that it's going up is the head-scratcher where it's not an increment of $10. It's quite a significant increase of, you know, $20 a month or whatever it is. Uh, sorry, $20 a year or $40 a year or in some cases even more than that. So I think it's a bit of an L for Sony. I think they'd have to be disappointed with the controversy that's come out of it the the backlash that's come out of it um 
especially since they weren't savvy enough to sweeten the pot with, you know, we're going to, we promise, you know, we're going to give you more value than ever before. We're adding to our library every, all the time. They didn't really phrase it in that kind of, of um, angle. So it's um, really just like eh, prices, you know, economy. Sorry, buds. Mm-hmm. It's going up. Inflation. Sorry. Deal with it. Um, and that's, that is inevitable. And that is also fair, to be honest, uh, that thing that the, the price of games, whether it's you're buying them a la carte or through game pass, they, will inevitably go up and mm-hmm. uh i will say that the um comparison to game pass is is apt it's uh i think 18 dollars a month in australia and then because you get a discount for the 12 month subscription in in playstation plus it does work out to be 16 dollars a month if you go for the full 12 months so that's really the only thing going for them is that you can get those discounts and occasionally they'll have a sale and you can like like i did i grabbed two years worth when it was half price or something so i've still got another i think 14 months before mine runs out at that cheaper rate so yeah it's tough i I feel especially sorry for the people in the states because i I did some uh exchange rate calculations brendan and they're paying uh a lot more over there than we are they're they're paying 20 dollars a month we're paying 16 Game Pass over there, they're paying $26 a month for Ultimate while we're just paying 18 Really? That's that's crazy. It's like, we're usually the ones getting fisted when it I comes know. to these types of things. So that's nuts if that's true. Write in and tell me if, if my maths is completely wrong. But uh, that's that, that was what I researched today. You're, you're, a, you're a trustworthy fella, so I'll take, <laughs> I'll take your word on this one. But yeah, it's... Um, it's not ideal and I'm, I'm hoping that Sony do maybe come out because, yeah, this sort of increased bump is happening in four days time like we're recording on the 2nd of september right now so as of the 6th if you're not a current active user of the playstation plus subscription where you might have six months 12 months in lieu uh, and you're trying to re-up after after this coming week yeah you're going to be on the hook for that extra 20 to 27 percent markup there so hopefully uh listeners if you are getting close to a renewal Get online where you can and try and find some of the wallet top-ups you can get via Amazon to save yourself a little bit of cheddar and just sort of stack as many months or years as you can at one time to avoid paying that extra money. I know it's going to cost you a little bit more up front to potentially stack 12 to 24 months or 36 months on top, but for now, do it as you can because you'll save a bit of money in the long haul because... um. Yeah, like you said, JP, everything in life is going up. Like the cost of living and the cost of everything else outside of the, in air quotes, direct living types of the functions is constantly crawling upwards as opposed to downwards and it sucks. So yeah, if you can save some pennies, do it where you can because um, yeah, gaming, gaming ain't the cheapest hobby sometimes. No, and, and you know, it really just enforces that um, or reinforces that people i think we're gonna see people drop off some of these subscriptions there's been i think it was video game industry.biz mm-hmm. had an article about the stagnated growth of subscription models with game pass and ps plus where during covid they spiked incredibly and that was a, a huge time for the games industry and ps plus only just brought in its subscription model 
beyond the you know it used to be just the two free games a month that's the basic tier now now we have this huge game library with extra and uh and deluxe but the the rate that that's growing is dropping off it's, it's dropped off a lot and i think that there are people that have realized that i don't need a million games to play at once i can wait for sales and i can still pick them off it, it's perfect for people that haven't played all these games before or mm-hmm. They want to catch up on a bunch of things. And that's the way that I used Game Pass when I first got my Xbox because I hadn't played a lot of these games. But I haven't had a Game Pass subscription all year, pretty much. Um, that'll change when Starfield comes out, probably. But um, yeah, it is it is interesting to see whether the you know cost of living will cause some kind of perfect storm where people can't afford to live. Therefore, they can't afford these increases in in pricing for these things that are optional um purchases as well i say a big fat yes to what you just said like 110 percent the you got to start picking and choosing your your hobbies or your secondary expenses because yeah rent's going up electricity fuel all the things that we need you know food all the day-to-day stuff that literally keeps us alive and with the roof above our head constantly on the upswing and when you combine all these subscription-based services doing the same, you've got to start pick and choosing your battles or your allegiances. And yeah, you sort of got to drop off a few here and then you pick it up there when maybe a new game or a new show comes out. Mm. I need to start doing that because I'm just stupidly <laughs> paying for them all every month. Like I haven't turned on my PlayStation in I don't know how months and yet I'm on the hook for the PS Plus every month and yeah. all these other things. So I need to be smarter with, with my money and my time and... Yeah, I, I don't think that's an isolated thing because, yeah, it's, it's not cheap. And it's it's death by a thousand cuts because sometimes you're like, oh, it's only X, X amount of money. So you don't sort of mm. think about it too heavily. And then you go, oh, my Netflix just came out. My PlayStation Plus just came out. Prime Video just came out. Da, 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 da. And then mm. you mm. crunch all the numbers. You're like, wow, that's maybe $200 a month I'm burning on these things where I'm only playing or watching 50% of those things. So I need to... I need to take a step back after this podcast and maybe reevaluate my <laughs> life a little bit, JP. Do your budget, yeah. And yeah. and and on top of that, they're cutting back on password sharing. So if you were sharing your Netflix, sorry, bud. If you were sharing your Disney, I've heard that Disney's looking at cutting, uh, cracking down on on password sharing as well. So that would, uh, you know, that's grabbing an extra ten or twelve or fifteen bucks from a lot of people every month that they weren't previously. So that's for some families it's going to be hmm sorry kids we're canceling disney or is it uh, maybe i'll go a few months without game pass mm. well for me that doesn't change my day-to-day because i'm the sucker that everyone mooches all the passwords <laughs> off so it impacts everyone else that's listening to this podcast right now that have all my logins <laughs> so uh yeah, pay up your cheap bastards uh the next bit of news and i guess it ties into some of that uh, that sort of storm that we we're talking about regarding cost of living and scaling back and just general expenses. And we've titled this one, Embracing Unemployment. So Volition, best known as the developer of the Saints Row series, has been shut down by its parent company, Embracer Group. The news was announced on the company's LinkedIn account. In their post, Volition explained that the reason for the closure was tied to parent company Embracer Group's new restructuring program to, in quotes, strengthen Embracer and maintain its position as a leader in the video game industry. As a part of that program, they evaluated strategic and operational goals and made the difficult decision to close Volition effective immediately. Most recently known for last year's Saints Rose reboot, 
Volition was founded way back in 1993 as Parallax Software. They were developers of the Descent series. In 1996, it was renamed Volition and gave us the Summoner, Red Faction, and Saints Row franchises. The Volition team will be supported in their job transition. However, many long-term staff are expected to be out of work. The news follows significant job losses announced for similar economic reasons at Bioware, Riot Games, and Firaxis in 2023. But wait, JP, there is more. The hits keep coming for Embrace's staff. As reported by GameDeveloper.com, a series of layoffs have reportedly taken place at Gearbox Publishing. Again, it's LinkedIn posts, this time from former employees confirming the news with announcements throughout the summer and as recently as this week revealing they've been let go from the Borderland Development's publishing arm. So JP, it's not a good time. And here we go with this same marketing puff where they're trying to talk about that this is aligning strategic and operational goals to make the company better. or At least they didn't say anything about making better games by cutting all these staff or closing this this studio. But the fact it was pretty much like they must have almost like rolled into work and and just their their swipe key wouldn't allow Mm. the door access. Like the lights were off. Like it was just done instantaneously. Like this wasn't like we're transitioning, we're closing down in the next few months. It's not effective immediately. Volition is dead. So good luck, everybody. Take your severance pay and we'll see you later. Like, this sucks, man. It does, yeah. It makes you wonder, like, what have what's Volition been doing since that Saints Row uh, reboot came out? Licking their wounds, JP, because that game sucked. <laughs> it's uh, free on PS Plus now, and I'm kind of, like, side-eyeing it. Like, did they patch it? Did they fix this thing up? Maybe they salvaged it before they they uh, got closed down yesterday. <laughs> Freeze and always free, JP. Just yeah. be careful. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it is sad, uh, especially just with the the history and heritage of a studio like that. Like Red Faction is like for a lot of people that's a classic PS2 title yeah, or whatever platform you played that on, and um, some very like innovative uh, gameplay elements were 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 used in in that series. And Saints Row has obviously been I wouldn't say quite say it's competitor to GTA, but it's certainly been uh, beloved by people that, that enjoy that type of thing. So it's um it's sad to see with just knowing how many people would be without work, and it's a deep pool of of talent out there now looking for work with the likes of Bioware and, and the others we mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, Gearbox as well. I love that all these things are just popping off on LinkedIn. <laughs> it's it's giving LinkedIn some relevance uh, as, far as a social media platform. I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's um. It's it's a tough tough gig game developer. It kind of makes you think like who would want to be a game developer. It, 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 I always think like who would want to be a cop. You get nothing but like abused, mm. and then uh, you know, like like let's okay, we won't get into the politics of of, of, of of like Black Lives Matter and and cops and all that kind of stuff. But like it's it's it doesn't seem like a fun thing to to do. And at the same time, uh, the games industry, there's, it's like you got to love what you're doing. But at the same time, you're going to be worrying so much about your job security and where's your next paycheck coming from because it's it's volatile. Uh, and at a time like this when the games industry itself has never made more money than it's making now, mm. uh, people are spending more money than they ever have on games. But that doesn't matter because, you know, times are tough. Economy, these these like embracer groups have to cut costs so they can buy another 50 studios next year it doesn't really make sense and uh the fact that they call themselves in this release 
a leader in the video game industry kind of made me chuckle as well because I wouldn't put them in that basket as much as no. they do own a lot of studios uh, and some of those are, are very talented studios, but um, they're certainly not in the top tier. No, and an Embracer group especially is not like, yeah, some of the some of the studios and the people working in said studios are definitely leaders in their field, but Embracer group, they're, they're just like... It's they, all they do is cannibalize the industry. They're like, oh, how are we going to show growth and show that we're a market leader? Let's buy a market leader or let's absorb a market leader. Like, yeah. it's it's disgusting. It's that fat cat bullshit mentality. And yeah, you know all the C level uh, employees amongst Embracer Group where they're not getting their usual X X valued commission check or bonuses based off the the success of some of their titles. They they knee jerk and do things like that. Where it's like, you know what? How are we going to increase profitability? We're just going to shut a studio down and then we'll recoup a bit of money on the stock market. Then we'll go buy another handful of studios. Like I know they had, like it wasn't confirmed what the studios and what the play was, but they had like a multi-billion dollar deal that fell through earlier this year, which I think sort of probably yeah, I think ruffled a few with feathers. The, with the Saudi, one of the Saudi yeah. Arabian uh, groups that's very similar to them in, in buying up a lot of, of big companies. Yeah, so it's it's just gross and I just am getting really sick of them watering down the human element to this and they're like, you know, we just want to strengthen the group. We want to make better games. And it's like, well, you can't make better games if you don't have the staff to make them. Like, it just really, really frustrates me, this stuff. Yeah. And it's v- I it's feel very, for everybody. It's very Elon Musk being like, I'm just going to sack half of Twitter and yeah. assume that it's somehow going to make it better. Like, yeah come on man it's very very frustrating and, and even though we've, we've said similar similar things last week in regards to the bioware discussion that we sort of had on episode 332 like hopefully everyone can land on their feet and get some steady work and some stable work like you said this is an industry that is so like it's a house of cards like feels like like you could be successful and working at a great great studio and making great games one minute and the next thing they're like no nah, we're shutting this whole thing down good luck everybody there's mm. your cardboard box take your take your things clear out your desk and we'll see you later and it's really disheartening because this is an industry that we love so much and they make so many special things that we adore for years and years and years and they hold such a such a sort of dear place in our hearts and yep. the people that make them are just constantly just getting fucked and it's horrible yeah. i feel for them and like it's scary like I, I know you're in that space like luckily it's not your your full time right now but mm-hmm. it, it could be down the line and you know if that was to happen i'd be worrying about you week to week because you know you've got a family and everything else like it's scary shit man honestly it's one of the reasons that i've stopped looking for studio work in the games industry because i look at people that i know who work in studios and some of them are very happy and then some of them aren't and it's very like toxic and like is my game going to get cancelled and am i going to have a job next week and it's uh and you know we've we've seen layoffs happen locally in australia in the Mm -hmm. past 18 months as well and it's it's tough because if if you are laid off in this country it's not like there's a million studios you can go and find in in the city that you want to live in or whatever it is so yeah it's it's uh you got to really love it and you got to give full credit to the people who can make that their lifestyle because it really takes a sacrifice to, to put yourself in that position to, to make that art that so many people love and that these guys love to make. So, yeah, we wish 
everyone the best and uh just hope that um you know there's so many parallels to like the the writer's strike and and Mm -hmm. the kind of thing that's happening where these people are in this position where they have from some perspectives they have no power but they're the ones that are making making this magic happen and they they need to be respected and, and given some of that power back so um yeah wish wish the best to everyone and that strike uh and uh let's let's get our game developers some um job security however we can 100 percent, 100 percent, man like God, it's, sadly it's probably not going to be the last time we'll be reporting on things like this between now and the end of 2023 but i've got my fingers crossed and my optimism at an all-time high right now that it will be the case but the realist in me is saying no you fool <laughs> get ready to talk about more jobs being cut and more studios being evaluated strategically to uh make the best games they can and whatever bullshit they want to throw at us but jp let's get far far away from this nonsense into some better more enjoyable nonsense which we call miss ellie hart's carousel of chaos All right, JP, we are back with another edition of Miss Ally Hart's Carousel of Chaos. And, Jono, Australia's finest, I'm going to be taking you through something that I call Who Am I? So I'm going to be giving you a series of factoids or pieces of information about a particular character from a video game or a video game series. And you need to guess who that person or that creature or that thing is okay have you got any any questions that you need some validation on first as far as what i'm going to give you it's fairly self-explanatory i I think you're a very smart man yeah no i thought it was going to be like a personality in the games industry so now that i know it's a character that's a good hint off the top yeah i'm just too nice and too giving i could have been a little bit more cryptic but you know what like I'm not. I'm not here to muck you around any more than I usually do. So, uh, what's the over under for like? When is it impressive that I guess this? Is it like in the first five questions, or is it like if I get it at all, that's a good, that's a win? Um, I think the the way I've scaled it is like the first handful of of bits of information I'll throw at you. I guess they are a little bit more dense or uh-huh. non-descriptive, or they don't give you a, a a lot to go by. But as it goes on. I think the the breadcrumbs get bigger and bigger for you to follow. So I was trying to work out like a scoring (laughs) metric. Like if you got it on on the first one, you get 10 points all the way down to one if you got it on the 10th. But um, I think I've gotten, I think I've written down maybe 15 or so, depending on where you go. So I'll just tell you, I'm aiming, I'm aiming for the first half. That's my, that's a win to me at this point yeah i've got 15 so i'll work it like this right so if you land on the first one you get the full 15 points but every following piece of info throughout you it'll go from 15 points to 14 to 13 to 12. what can i do with these points can i cash them in maybe <laughs> i haven't thought that far ahead very fast and loose stuff here all right so jp yeah. the first bit of news or the, or the first bit of information i'm going to throw at you is this i made my video game debut in 1996 Okay. I haven't got. I'm not going to guess yet. <laughs> okay. Wait yeah, a you're not like you don't fail if you you guess once okay, and it's yeah. wrong. But you only get like one guess per piece of information I throw. At so you. should so I? You can't so just should go, I? Should I throw out a guess then? If you want to, you don't have to. <laughs> uh, Crash Bandicoot. That is incorrect. Okay. 
The franchise that I am part of is the fourth title to be developed under the studio's rebranded banner. The following titles, Keith the Thief, Rings of Power, and Way of the Warrior. Ooh. I feel like that would have been a big hint if I had heard of any of those games. I think so. I would have probably not put it in if they were bigger, more popular games. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not saying it's in the same series. It's their, the, the, that developer's fourth game. Correct. Okay. Yeah. All right. The next one. Yep. I grew up in a large family of circus performers. Hmm. Okay. My middle name is Periwinkle. Uh, I'm just uh, writing down some notes so I can look back at the end if I haven't got this. Okay. Periwinkle. Hmm. So the fifth one. Okay. I was conceived as a more malevolent. Uh, how do you say malevolent? How the fuck do you say malevolent? There we go. I was conceived as a more malevolent. Fuck! I was conceived as a more. I think I've just had a stroke. I was. Con- I was conceived as a more malevolent version of Brain from Pinky and the Brain. Okay. Hmm. Do you want me to give you another one? Uh, just let me think for a okay. second. You can I'll, g- I'll, give you can, I'll give you, you can edit 10 seconds time. of think time. Yeah. Okay, keep going. All right. I was first voiced by Brendan O'Brien. Hmm, that name means literally zero. Okay. All right. I stand 1.6 meters tall or approximately 5 foot 3 inches and weigh around 59 kilograms or 130 pounds. Uh, Okay. Yeah, I I have... I have thoughts, but I'm going to keep hearing some things. Okay. All right. The, the The eighth bit of information... In the epilogue of the game I debuted in, it is stated that the land and remains of my castle have been sold to a resort developer and said resort developer then proceeds to open up a plus-size clothing shop. Okay. Okay, this is fun. Keep going. We're in the back half now, aren't we? Yeah, so we're on the ninth one now. My best slash only friend's name is Nitrous Brio. Okay. This is what I when I said I think I might know who this is. It, I, I was right. It's, it's Neocortex. JP, that is indeed correct. Yes. It is Doctor Neo Periwinkle Cortex, and you got that on the ninth go around. So you get yourself a juicy nine points there. How about that Crash Bandicoot guess straight off the bat though? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm like, man, I, I gotta, I gotta no sell this pretty hard right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Let, let's hear the rest of those hints just in just to to see if uh, see what else you had cooked up. Yeah, sure. So the so the next hint I had was after the first game, the voice acting duties were then passed on to Clancy Brown. Okay, I know him. He's on Ahsoka. Yeah, he's he's on a few things. He's he's a, he's a bit of a dude, old mm, Clancy he Brown. Is. He he actually left gaming voiceover in due to Crash Bandicoot and the shitty work conditions of working <laughs> in VO apparently. So. He's well, out. He came back for Detroit Become Human, so mm. he, he's he's back. 
All right. So during the concept stage, I was described to character designer Charles Zambillis as having a huge head but a tiny body. He's a mad scientist and he dresses a bit like a Nazi from the Jetsons. That probably would have helped. Like that probably would have sealed it close, I'd say. Yeah. But when you said brain, that was when I went, okay, maybe it's him. So Yeah. yeah. I probably should have kept that one down there, but I wanted to give you something a little soft in that first sort of five. The next one, my most recognized physical feature would have to be the giant N tattooed on my forehead. Yeah. If I if I missed it up until this point, that would have been the giveaway. Yeah, and it, it's funny, that N um, actually stands for nerd because working in that circus, he was getting bullied a lot of the time oh. and the family act was based around him and his scientific genius and they were... Uh, they were giving it to him. It's it's kind of pretty heavy. His backstory, yeah, like his family, like his family, all died in a fireworks explosion and stuff like that. Like it's what it's the... a time. Yeah, I didn't realize there was so much lore. Is there this much information about Crash, or is it just the villains that get? No, nah, there's there's this about Crash as well. Oh jeez. And yeah, then I had also I enjoyed the use of my Evolvo Ray. Apart from the mainline fan, uh, mainline franchise that I regularly am part of, I've also appeared in Skylanders Imaginators. And then the last one I had is when driving a cart competitively, my stats see me classified as an all-around racer. And then I had some other ones that were just like, you know, talking about a, a, a bandicoot that he experiments on and stuff. So sure, there you go. You got it on nine. So you got yourself nine points. I don't know what that equates to. I guess with some of the uh, other guest hosts that might be rolling in, I can put them through this too and see where they stack up compared to you. But there you go. Very good. Dr. Thanks, Brendan. Neo, uh, Periwinkle, yeah. Cortex. I wonder if that lore is actually in-game or if it's one of those things that, you know, back in the day you get the, the manual, you open up the game cover, you read through, there's a little bio in each character. Maybe. I don't remember. I, I know there was, I guess, obviously there was dialogue, but yeah, that's such a level of detail that uh, completely new to me. They took some time to hash it all out. Like, there's... There's a lot in there. So, um, yeah, Joe Pearson, who was the Crash Bandicoot co-artist, wrote a full backstory for Cortex as part of the game's production Bible. So, yeah, I don't know if it's like just in the old old, old PlayStation manual as such, but it's certainly out there and it's been confirmed and verified. So there you go. Just ripe for a uh, Illumination-style animated movie. Mm, that I'd got, watch that. It'd be fun. Mario and that, the, there's talks about Jack and Daxter, but go back to Crash. Like, the law's already there. Mm. I'm surprised we haven't seen like a How to Train Your Dragon slash Spyro collab going on here or something. Bring back, make a croc show. I'll watch a croc show. <laughs> was it Legend of the Gobbos yeah, or something? Was like, say, which yeah, was still what, the what, dumbest <laughs> title ever, but especially now you're a bit older, you just think of other things. But anyway, JP, <laughs> there you go. Nine film. points. Right. Nine points. Yeah, that one. That one's on uh, Pornhub right now, I think. So check that one out. <laughs> Only if you're above the age of 18. If you're not... Get your parents' permission first. All right, JP. That's what's been happening as far as the week that was, but let's shift into this. The week that's yet to come, presented by Dash Water. Shout out to Dash Water. I'm currently enjoying a nice can of raspberry-flavored Dash Water. No sugar, no calories, no sweeteners. Just delicious, wonky fruit and a natural, refreshing taste. All right, JP. If you're looking for things to consume this week, don't worry, because we've got you covered. I want to go to the cinema. There's plenty of films out. There's Everybody Loves Gene, The Nun 2, which is part of that broader 
Insidious franchise. The first Nun film mm. was kind of shitty, so I'm assuming the second one's going to be equally as shitty. Biosphere is coming out. They've somehow managed to do a third My Big Fat Greek Wedding. So My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3 is coming out. But the big one for any of those uh, nostalgia hunters out there, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem is coming to cinemas this week. But I think it's also dropping on digital like right now. So oh, really? um, you've got some loopholes there to check that one out. So can check them out if you want to watch something in the in the theater you want to play some games we've got chance of sinar rune factory 3 special Baldur's gate 3 arriving on the playstation 5 so jp now's your time to jump in starfield coming out on xbox as well as pc final fantasy 7 ever crisis on mobile rugby 24 Fay Farm and NBA 2K 2024 all coming out between episodes 333 and 334. JP, out of that assortment of games and films, is there anything you're going to be consuming specifically there? Starfield, yeah. Definitely um, hyped. You can see the T-shirt that I'm wearing. Oh, yeah. Uh, where, can, where can listeners get that T-shirt? <laughs> it's been banned. Oh, okay. It's been, Zen- you know, Zenny Max came after me for, for, se- <laughs> for selling these, but I managed to sell a few before they... Um, they came after me so it's even worth even more but no starfield i know there's people out there maybe even listeners of this podcast who are deep into it already because of early access um you're considering that still or if you've made a decision um still still on the fence still on the i've fence. got some things to do tomorrow and then i'm like maybe i'll just play Bal- more got Baldur's gate and watch more anime i need to check like we we're talking offline about checking mm. out the one piece live action adaptation so maybe i'll consume that a little bit and uh, play some more games until uh, until Starfield gets into our hands. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to just sit with my other star, which is Sea of Stars, until Starfield comes out. It's, it's kind of like, you know, you go into a restaurant, you order your meal. They could just sometimes bring it to you instantly and you'd maybe be happy with that. But mm-hmm. it's kind of that anticipation of looking around and what's that person ordered? Oh, that looks really good and can't wait till mine gets here. And that's how I... <laughs> feel about starfield is like there's people playing it out there and it's kind of like yeah I, I could be playing it right now but you know just let that anticipation build a little bit longer and then by the time you finally sink into it it's like yes finally the you know the waiter walks past is that coming to my table no it's going to the next table oh here it comes and starfield's in my in my lap and you're a much more devoured. patient man than me because i would be getting really pissed off at the restaurant if i'm watching all these other meals go by i'm like i want my starfield now i've got my bib on i've got my knife uh, and fork in my hands i'm ready to eat so get it to me as quick as i can because daddy's I'm hungry very i'm very patient when it comes to food brendan like oh, I, I'm, I'm very big on that like you know eating it under the right circumstances so a lot of people oh, yeah. you get the you pick up the food in the car you drive home they start eating the chips I'm just you like, don't no, eat the chips on no, the way home. No, what? No. I, I got to be sitting what? down, ready to you know. If I'm if I'm by myself, I'm waiting until the TV's on. The episode is playing before I take a single bite. If Chano, it's uh, Chano, you know, self control, man. Come on. Travel chips are like a part of life. Like when that that's the reward for driving to the drive through, and you smell it all. It's like I'll just have a couple of chippies on the way home. You never touch your burger or your chicken or whatever else, but the the chippies. They're fair game on the drive, and a couple of them will just make that drive all the more easier so you can get home. You can sit down and yeah, fire up the telly, but man, travel that's, chips are the best. That's what I'm saying is I could easily do that, but I, I don't let myself. I, I, I let the anticipation build. Why, why, why are you so mean to yourself like that, though? Like, go treat yourself. <laughs> Come on, man. 
you, it's it's the uh, it's the edging of of food. You know, you just gotta like build up to it, man. Oh no, I I just want to <laughs> bury my face in it as fast as I can. Like, um, so would you get upset like if if we you know, if if I'm out your way, you're out my way, and we we drive uh-huh. down the road to get some some takeout, and we're driving it back to your place or my place, and you saw me open the pack and and go in for some chips, would you be like, no, wait till we get home, or would you let me go? I, I don't let Hannah do it, but uh, we, you'd be fine. I wouldn't comment on it. You know, you do you, but uh, but what in, what if I then house, like tried to feed you a chip as you're driving? I'd say no, thanks. Probably. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's so good when you get fed chippies if you're the driver. It, it feels so great. It's a cute little moment. No, not for okay. me. There you go. <laughs> Listeners, sorry to break your hearts right at the end there hearing about Jono and his just uh, horrific treatment of himself and his family not allow him to have the old uh, travel chippies because they're the best part of takeaway. Listeners, let us know if you agree or disagree. Which side of the fence do you sit on here in regards to travel chips I think I'm, in the min- I'm definitely in the minority. I know that. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, you know, some things are better when you wait, you know? No, because they're, they're <laughs> the freshest straight out. Like, if you, especially if you've got a long drive and you've got to wait and those chips have lost that, like, peak freshness and warmth. Mm, that's why, yeah. You drive really fast. I, drive, yeah. <laughs> I don't drive a long way. Yeah. I live, okay. in, you know, I just, just around the corner. Yeah. Yeah, like if I was an Uber Eats driver and I knew there was chippies, I'd probably be sneaking a few chippies out of every order I was dropping off. (laughs) You you only got half your chips, yeah, reach out to KFC. I don't know what happened. That explains a lot, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, listeners, that is the official end of THG333. And JP, sadly, it is the end of your first go around at the residency series. I'm going to miss riffing with you every week. It's like um, an embracer group staff member or something you're just giving me the flick i'm, I'm getting bounced i'm giving no. you the flick but I'm, I'm letting you take some chippies home with you as ah, well so you can choose eating. to eat them now or, or when you return after i'll work. chuck them in the air fryer and they'll be like good as new good as new. but no it's been really fun it's been uh you know a, an honor and privilege to sit in the chair once uh, occupied by miss ali hart and It'll be cool to see who you, you pull in here over the coming weeks, and I'll be back to to do some uh, some hosting when you're jet setting and, and freestyling, wheeling and dealing around the world in mm-hmm. the coming months as well. But uh, I guess the, the next time people will hear my voice on the show will probably be at PAX, so we'll see everyone at, at PAX who uh, wants to come and say hi, and we'll be recording some stuff there too. Yeah, for sure, and they might hear you on a couple other little ideas we're sort of slow cooking in the background that could be a bit of fun too but yeah yes, certainly not the yeah. last time you're going to hear that sexy tone from <laughs> australia's finest there but yeah with september now firmly upon us i'd like to announce that uh, i'll be joined next week and for the rest of the month by mia aka series of blurs who's a fantastic person and streamer and gaming personality here in australia as well and uh looking forward to riffing with her for the next couple of weeks but uh yeah jp you're gone, but never forgotten. You'll return yeah, to the microphone with me in due course. That I am sure. Looking forward to hearing the banter with uh, with Mia. That'll be fantastic. Hell yeah, hell yeah. But JP, I'm sorry to say it's time to time to say goodbye to you and your weird, restrictive, travel chippy based habits. But uh, it's been a pleasure having you on here. Anything you wanted to mention before we close the studio down for another week? Uh, no, just. Um Love to all the the listeners out there. Thanks for putting up with me and my my <laughs> ranting. Uh, and uh, yeah, just uh, uh, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of fun games coming out that we'll be 
that I'll be keen to talk about whether it's spoiler casts or f- future episodes. So you, you haven't heard the last of me. Damn straight, damn straight. And if you want to find Jono on the social, you can do so over at Jono himself on all those platforms. You can follow me at Brendan8bit. You can follow us all as a whole at We Are 8Bit. Be sure to rate, view, subscribe, listeners. But until next time, you sexy legends, much love. Stay hungry. We'll see you around.